Bottom line, that is God's heart. One to serve. He sent Jesus Christ, by grace, he sent Jesus Christ to serve his people, to bring them back into relationship with one another. And that's what we have. We have a relationship with God that was gifted to us that we receive it by faith. We have a relationship with one another because we are all gifted and called of God and we work together as as one. And we serve one another. And I applaud Valley Community Church as I went back in my calendar last night as I was praying for our services, uh, all three uh, today, is I was praying for you and then I went back into the calendar and I saw all the things that you served in. I saw the events. I saw everything that we accomplished I remember the salvations, the Holy Spirit baptisms. I remember the healings. I remember the salvations that that just exploded in certain seasons of this past year. And the reason is because we are VFAM, we are a church that understands the heart of God, that we are in relationship with one another and we are here to serve one another, not really to be served. That's called grace. And we must live in a grace-filled lifestyle. A grace-filled lifestyle that we've been talking about in the past couple months. I want you to turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 3, the pages that are really white in your Bible, because you haven't touched them. By the way, next week we'll begin a series uh, jumping into Thanksgiving and Christmas, speaking of the benefits of this grace, the benefits of salvation, and what God has gifted us, the presence that he presented to us through salvation is immense. And we need to understand those, and we're going to uh, dive into that. And then, again, we are going to conclude tonight in the series on Jurassic Earth. And let me just share with you, if you have not been here, you say, well, you know, I haven't been there, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, you will, because I go through, in an essence, everything that we've already covered, each and every day, because I want it to just be instilled in our heart. So if you've never heard about the beginning, come tonight and you'll hear the whole story. And we've been talking about the creation of man, and tonight we'll conclude with the creation or the building of the woman, and it's powerful. In uh, Zechariah chapter 3, there, there's some things that, that are stated, and we're not going to get there yet, but do you recognize how great your Savior is? We need to. We know now that grace is a person, not a thing. Grace is a person that acts on himself and gives. His name is Christ, called the Anointed One. 
And regarding our Savior and all we have discussed in this series, it teaches us, we said this last week, not to allow our britches to become too big. Not to become cocky or conceited, but allowing ourselves to stay humble knowing this truth of grace. That I don't know it all, no one knows it all, but we serve the one that does. In 2 Peter, stay in Zechariah, second, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, is what opens the door to the power of grace. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you or break through in the perfect time in his plan. God has plans in your life. This grace-filled life is God has a plan. We believe it, we receive it, and we walk in it. Either tribulation or great times take place, but God has a plan. And the goal is for us to understand it, to love it, and to relate with God and to relate with one another, to serve God, serve one another, and allow God to do what he has promised. And that's a grace-filled life. Sometimes it doesn't look fair, what's going on. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we, we don't know the answer. But God's in control, and that's being a person that understands grace. We gave you the first point of our Savior part one last week, and we're going to continue with part two. And the first point is, he saves us from the dominion of sin. We must understand this point, that he saves us from the dominion of sin. Our Savior saves us. We are saved. Before we were in the danger of hell, the danger of all these things that the enemy wanted, but we got saved by the Lord Jesus Christ by believing in him and receiving. Our second point regarding our Savior is he saves us from the guilt of sin. And this is where a lot of Christians today struggle, get angry, get frustrated, give up. Yell at God, cuss at God, and, and, and move in a realm in their life where they're mad and they're angry and they don't want to go to church. They don't like their pastor now because things are not going well. But we have to understand that that is guilt and an enemy called Satan that is accusing you of something that is not true. And we are believing it because we really don't understand truly what it means to have a Savior. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Then he showed me Joshua, remember last week the two uh, Joshuas, Yeshuas? Showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is referring to Jesus. 
or the high priest, Joshua, standing before the high priest, Yeshua. And Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. So we see the high priest of mankind, high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Satan opposing you. Again, notice Satan is always there to accuse you of something that Jesus Christ, Yeshua, had come to remove. And we're going to prove that to you. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. That's awesome. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Now, in continuation of this, this scripture, it then says, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? A brand plucked from the fire? And in essence, what is happening is Satan is being rebuked and wrong thinking that mankind has is being rebuked. In the scripture, it is literally saying that I want you to see, high priest, who represents mankind, I want you to see the Lord rebukes and has destroyed all that the enemy has tried to do in your life. That's grace. Then he turns to man and says, I rebuke the thought that you still have this. Are you with me? All right. Now Joshua was clothed, Joshua the human, was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel, Jesus Christ. Now please see this picture of salvation. And was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. The Joshua who is representing mankind. Take away his filthy garments from him. Notice, watch this. It says, take away, not just take off, so you can put it back on. But take away. Verse 4. And to him he said, see? <laughs> see? What? Got these filthy. See, he's saying, I want you, even though you are in this world, I want you to see I've removed your filthy rags. It has been taken from you. I've removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. 
And a lot of people say, oh, cool, I'll be rich. Well, Isaiah 61, verse 10 and 11, tells us what the robes are. Let me read this to you. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Can I say rich robes? Because that's what it's saying. The garments of salvation. What salvation, what yourself, your Savior gives you. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Why? Because you are saved and you have a Savior. Righteousness is right standing with God. So by grace, Jesus removed our iniquity and said, he clothes us with his righteousness. And when the devil points at you, and a friend points at you, and the world points at you, and says you're unworthy, you need to point at the Lord Jesus Christ and say, no, I have my Savior. And I have been delivered. It has been taken away from me. And when Satan accuses you, you he is a liar. Look down at verse 9 in Zechariah chapter 3. It says, For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua... And watch this statement. Upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription. In other words, here's the terminology. It's set in stone. Saying the Lord of hosts, And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Now, the seven eyes represent, out of Revelation, the Spirit of the Lord, His wisdom, His understanding, His counsel, His might, His knowledge, and the fear of the Lord before the throne of God. Every single day when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, righteousness is presented before the Father. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, it is presented to the Father when he, every single day, makes intercession for you. And intercession isn't, oh my God, everything's going falling, falling apart. No, he's saying, look. Everything that grace has been given, our people are saved. 
They have a Savior, and this is what it includes. And what is brought up to the Father is a sweet-smelling savor of who you are and what Jesus accuses you to be, and that is a saved, righteous person that can walk in all what the seven eyes represent. It is set in stone. You are saved. You have a Savior. And when you are trying to walk around with guilt about things in your life, you rise up and say, I am not guilty. Okay, let's go on. Psalm 103.12 says regarding sin and the guilt of sin. We started in this series with the scripture. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's what grace is. That's what the high priest does. He removes our filthy rags. Even our righteousness is as filthy rags He removes our sin and he removes our iniquity. He removes our iniquity as far as the east is from the west and he clothes us with his righteousness and it's an exchange. Those who have been in OSL, you've heard this terminology. This is an example of what Jesus does for us at salvation. So, an exchange. So the question is, how many of us today are battling guilt and shame? Because if we're battling that and we're not sure of this, then fear arises, lack of knowledge arises, wrong decisions take place, not because we're uh, ignorant, not because we're dumb, really not because we don't know, it's because we're not grasping grace. We're not grasping. When God looks at you, he looks at perfectness through his son's blood, Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so real. If you're facing some of these things of these seven eyes, the opposite of the good of it, then you need to go back to, do I really understand what my Savior did and how he exchanged things so that I can live this life of righteousness? See, understanding grace is understanding living a life of righteousness. In some of the versions of the, of the Bible that are not exact in translation, like the NLV or the message, it said, he has declared us not guilty. I read the message Bible. I read the New Living uh, Translation all the time because I think it's cool. It helps me understand. So I'm not preaching against any translation. What I'm telling you is to understand is that this is what is being said, is that you are declared not guilty. 
without realizing it, I, I, I kind of, uh, when I was studying this, I, I kept reading like, that's cool. Oh, um, right then, my spirit just kind of scolded me. And bottom line, I'll just tell you what happened with me is bottom line, my whole being was like, whoa, wait a minute. How in the world are you thinking, pastor? Ho-hum, whatever. Life just deals the deal. And you just got to live with it. You ever been there? Oh, well, I just need to suck it up. Sorry, I'm using some terms. Just need to suck it up. Whatever goes on, goes on. I just need to keep going to church and doing what I do. Wait. See, that's that ho-hum thing that a lot of Christians get into because we lived our lives and we've gotten pretty good at stuff. We've gotten pretty good at living this life of, of giving and forgiving and all the different, and just handling, oh, yeah, I know, I'm ticked off at them, but that's okay. You know, I'll get over it one day. We don't really understand what it means to have a Savior. We don't really, and, and I don't want anybody to feel like I'm talking down to anyone but really I'm talking up to you because I see in you what I know we just read. That you're not guilty and you're pretty cool in the kingdom of God. That you have these giftings. You have these giftings in you that are so huge that when you understand that you're not guilty, they will explode and break through in your life and other people's lives, and you'll be a transformational person in the little things you think are little that you do. I said to the Lord, I, I know that you declared me not righteous, I mean, not guilty. And I really appreciate that, Lord, you know. And it was still, it was this conversation that I was having in my life. And this was a long, long time ago. And I said again, I know you declared me not guilty, but you know God. You and I know the truth. You know who I really am. You know my faults. You know my weaknesses. You know everything that I, I did. Those secret things that no one knows. Basically, what I was saying to him was, you know I'm guilty. And at that point in the conversation, it wasn't like this back and forth with God. It was kind of a discussion. And all of a sudden, that same emotion that was there is like ho-hum. 
I felt the anger of the Lord towards me. And I just want to tell you, you don't want to feel that. You don't want to feel the anger of the Lord because I didn't like it. Matter of fact, in the reality, it wasn't true, but I felt like I insulted him. Very forcefully in my spirit, God said this, I am not unjust, and I'm not a liar. I'm going to say that again. God said, I am not unjust, and I am not a liar. And I went, okay. In my spirit, I felt that. So, being the normal me for years, I got defensive and said to the Lord, I didn't call you a liar. You ever done that? Gone to the Lord and said, oh God, you know of me and where I'm at. And, and, and I know what you've done for me. You know, blah, 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 the stuff we do. And I said, I didn't call you a liar. And he said, yes, you did. And I said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. No, we didn't do that. <laughs> Many of us say that this way. Praise God, he has declared me not guilty. I'm born again. But then we turn around in life and say, I'm guilty. I don't deserve this. When he said it's yours. I can't do that because of my past. When he said, I removed the sin of your past. The Holy Spirit said, you know what? I can't do that. I can't declare you not guilty and then say you're guilty. Let me explain this. If he declares us not guilty when he knew you were guilty, then he is a liar. But he's not a liar. Because what he declares in grace as we receive it through faith, it's true. He can't say you were not guilty unless you were not guilty. Are you, are you seeing this? God cannot declare as your Savior not guilty because he didn't just take it over here and then you know, climb back on you. He removed it. And if it's removed, you're not guilty. There's nothing that can be said about you of being guilty. Many of us say, Lord, I don't understand this because I know my life. I know what I've done. And when we do that, when I did that, I, I or we still don't get grace. We still don't get it. God is telling us 
He removed your and my sin. God is declaring to you, saying, I removed your sin off of you. I took your sins off of you. It is no longer there. God says, here's the reason I declared you not guilty is because I took your sin. Father God took your sin, all of it off of you, and then the exchange, he put it on his son, Jesus Christ. The perfect one. Yeshua, Jesus, Joshua, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Then God the Father declared Jesus guilty, and he, Jesus, died in your place. We were born guilty of sin, but Jesus made an exchange and he died, he took it, it was placed on him, and so you no longer have that sin. And today, that Savior, is remember being saved, is when we do make a mistake, we can quickly, 1 John 1, 9, confess that sin to the Lord, and the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you. In other words, it continues He declares you not guilty. It's not, the problem is not Jesus or the action of Jesus. The problem is, is we don't understand grace because we don't understand grace. Then we have a tendency to fail and to walk in all kinds of emotional distraught things because we're living a life of guiltiness. I'm no good. I'm not good enough. So let me say it again. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see sin because he had already removed sin. So God the Father can legally and justly declare you and me not guilty. That's what it means having a Savior. Confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We must understand our salvation is we have a Savior who paid for our salvation. That's grace. That's grace. We must fully believe in the gift, our Savior. Here's the third point. Our Savior took our iniquity. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost. Underline if you're there, uttermost, or write it down. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Save to the uttermost, the word uttermost in the Greek means unlimited duration of time or forever and always unlimited duration of time. So, let's read it this way. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost unlimited duration of time. Amen. 
It's not based on your goodness or mine. It's based on the goodness of God. It means Jesus is a Savior, and he is able to save completely, no matter where you've been, what you've done. So I want you to think about the two Joshuas in closing here. One leads the people into the promised land. The other leads the people back into the promised land after they have fallen. So you have the Joshua, Moses' assistant, and you have the Joshua, the high priest. You see the example? See the illustration there of salvation? So I want you to know your Savior is able to lead you back even when you mess up. That's our Savior. If you are here and if you're watching us right now, if you've fallen away, the same Yeshua is the one that can lead you back. And today, you can just literally right now, as you're watching, as you're listening, you can just raise your right hand, raise your left hand, and say, Jesus, forgive me. And immediately righteousness in those robes will be dressing you up. And you will begin to walk in an anointing and a leading of the Holy Spirit that you've never recognized before. Why? Because you have just learned a truth about grace. Everyone in this house, if you're here today and you're just struggling and you're just trying to make ends meet in life, in your marriage, in all these things, I want you to understand all you got to do is just raise your hand. Father, forgive me. Well, pastor, I've known the Lord for 40 years and I don't do anything wrong. All right, well, let me just say it this way. Because you don't understand grace, you need to raise your right hand and say, Father, forgive me, I did not understand grace. And no longer I'll make decisions based on my guilt. It's hard for me to say my guilt because I don't have guilt. The guilt that comes from the enemy Amen. I have the leading of the Holy Spirit that says, straighten up. Amen. Therefore, there is no condemnation to them that love the Lord. Scripture tells us that. And my question to, to some is, in a very gracious and a loving way, then why are you feeling so condemned? Why are you feeling like... I? I Man, I just, I've just made some stupid decisions. Well, you know what? Look at me. I mean, I, I need an hour to tell you through the years how many stupid decisions I've made, right? Are, are you with me on this? Not that you agree that I'm stupid, but anyway. The, <laughs> but that you recognize is as you grow, as you're discipled, as you go into OSL, you learn things that you didn't know. And you begin walking in, in the, the stuff, but going back to the beginning, is it's serving one another. We're a team. We're a church. We love one another. The reason why we do that is because 
we have a Savior. Not because I'm better than somebody else or not because there's even a need. It's because I'm saved and my heart is full of serving. Our veterans love their country. Many of them joined because they love their country. They wanted to serve their country. And for some of the young people, we used to have a draft that ended, I believe, in the early 70s. But the reality is, is every person that is serving in the military now are volunteers. Think about it. Every person you see in a uniform that is serving today in the United States, all over the world, are volunteers because they're serving. Now, how much greater can it be when you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit, and you are saved, and because you love the church that you serve? that you follow the scripture, you follow the word. Now, I know I'm a pastor. I always got to get this in, that you tithe, that you give, that you serve, that when you walk in the parking lot and, and you see a piece of paper on the parking lot, you know, you don't go, oh, man, where are those guys? No, you pick it up. When someone's uh, moving chairs, hey, you need help. Five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes. Or do you need anything? And it's not just that. So you walk in here and you see a brother or sister standing over there by themselves and you walk up to them and say, God bless you. God loves you. Listen to the Holy Spirit that you can serve them by hearing the Holy Spirit say a word to them. I can't tell you how many times that I've been in a grocery store, in a restaurant, and the time being in the grocery store or the restaurant turns into people crying and me speaking the exact words that they need. It's because I love people. Because why? I have a Savior, and my Savior loves people, and he has come to serve us, and so I serve other people. I invite people to church all the time. I, I invite people for salvation all the time. I can't tell you how many times I'm just like running around, I'm busy, I gotta get back to the church, gotta get back to home or whatever, and it's holidays, all these things are going on, running around, and all of a sudden there's someone over here, and I just say a few words, and all of a sudden they just start crying. Oops. And I take that three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes to just speak to them. Why do I do that? Not because I'm any better than anybody else, but because I really do and still am learning this powerful lifestyle of grace and how God just constantly ministers to me in the midst of the stuff 
That is a lifestyle that God has ordained for you too. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I can't tell you, you know, uh, thank you, many of you, for the cards and the well wishes for my birthday. Uh, you know, over here, San Dimas area, Route 66, that means a lot more to me, Route 66, because I just turned 66. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. The, thank you. You're, you've been so gracious through the years to my wife and I. And I, I just, I want you to, to know that as we close, matter of fact, let's go ahead and stand. <laughs> my Klaus brain has taken me to some more studies I did, but I'm not going to go there. Maybe next year I'll go there. I, I want you to really realize how much or how God thinks about you. And, and you know, the world might be beating, I'll say it, beating the snot out of you. But I want you to know, if you understand grace, there's still going to be people in the world that are jerks. Hello, jerks, if you're watching. Amen. Let's be straight, right? There are people that are mean. But it changes the way you see things. Because those jerks are used by the enemy's uh, demonic influence to speak things to you that hurt you. But when you see grace, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, not the nice people, the jerks too, could have everlasting life. I know I'm being a little bit crude here, but I, I really want to be right now. Because we got, we got to get off this... Uh, whatever, ho-hum mentality. This is real. This is a spiritual battle. The war in Israel is a spiritual battle. It's what it is. And there are people that are born again everywhere in that area. And we have to pray. We have to pray and come against demonic spirits that are causing terrorism. Amen. And if we don't, if we, if, if we keep listening to the world's point of view and not see God's point of view, then we're going to be an angry people, a frustrated people. We need to rise up and allow grace to really begin to stir in our spirit and begin to walk in that might and that power and destroy the works of the enemy. Amen?
me pray for you. In Jesus' name, I proclaim because God said it, not guilty. No condemnation because of the work of the cross, because of the work of Jesus Christ. I declare that the robes of righteousness would just absolutely begin to move the, the, the seven eyes, the reality of counsel and wisdom and knowledge just would explode and break through in everyone. And I right now come against fear. Fear, you are a spirit and I come against you in Jesus' name. And I proclaim that fear has to bow to the name of Jesus. That the word of God is truth and the truth will set us free and break us through into the plan of God. And I give you honor for that. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for being our Savior. We receive it with gladness. And we do pray this in Jesus' name, our Savior. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I got to let you go. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.